I'm just going to ask God's help before we look at the scripture. And uh, God, I need your help. And uh, Father, we need your help in helping us to hear and helping us to understand not just the words and the truth, but Father, that we would get these things, uh, that they would, your Holy Spirit would take these truths and just pierce our hearts with them and would move them into life, into our lives and not just knowledge in our heads. Oh, Father, open our eyes to see and really grasp the life that is ours in Jesus in a way that really impacts our lives. Thank you. Amen. Somebody, a quote that I read says, you're born, you suffer, you die. You're born, you suffer, you die. I wonder how many of us this morning, that's what life seems like to us. You're born, it's just full of suffering, struggle, and then we die. Well, this sermon this morning is for those of us who feel that way, or for... Or for someone that you know is in the midst of life that way. It's just life seems like a struggle. Dennis Leary, a comedian, said this. Most people think life sucks and then you die. Not me. I beg to differ. I think life sucks. Then you get cancer. Then your dog dies. Your wife leaves you. The cancer goes into remission. You get a new dog. You get remarried. You owe $10 million in medical bills. But you work hard for 35 years and you pay it back. And then, well, one day you have a massive stroke. And your whole right side is paralyzed. You have to limp along the streets and speak out of the left side of your mouth and drool. But you go into rehabilitation and regain the power to walk and the power to talk. And then one day... You step off of a curb at 67th Street and bang, you get hit by a bus. And then you die. Maybe. You're born, you suffer, you die. You know, he's joking. Maybe. (laughs) But for some of us here this morning... And for some of those that we know, in fact, a lot of people, because the statistics are one in ten Americans, at least, suffer from serious depression. That's 10%. That means maybe ten people here this morning, at least. Um, You know, the surveys indicate that, and I'm just going to rattle off some statistics, that... Candidates for major depression are persons 45 to 64 years of age. That would include me. Closer to the 64 than the 45. (laughs) Women, that wouldn't include me. 
blacks, Hispanics, and non-Hispanic persons of other races or multiple races, persons with less than a high school education, those previously married, individuals unable to work or unemployed, persons without health insurance coverage. And we could go on and on as you look. We live in a a world where we, we struggle, don't we? With depression and anxiety. and We just struggle with life. Um, one of the top two killers in our county, I think it's pretty well known, um, of our youth. Not those in the 45 to 64 year old category, but of our youth, uh, is suicide. It's a huge issue. Young people just should be at the prime of life. Struggling with life. Struggling with life. Another one of the top killers is substance abuse, for which for many is what? Just merely a way of trying to cope with and mask and cover over the pain, the dull pain of living. It's, it's obvious. Um, and I just, this was reinforced to me this last week in conversations with with individuals that for many, many, many of us, life sucks, right? It's just hard. Uh, it's really hard. You know, the, the good news is that um, another well-known person, many of you have heard, evangelist Billy Graham said this, he, and he added to the, the, the first phrase, he said, you're born, you suffer, you die, But then he said, but fortunately there's a loophole. (laughs) Fortunately there's a loophole. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning as we look in in Colossians chapter 3. A couple of weeks ago was Resurrection Sunday. And one of my my favorite Sundays. And and we remembered again the, the life that is ours in Jesus. He's risen. He's alive. Death couldn't hold him. But as we came out of Easter a couple of weeks ago, and Daniel began last week, and we're going to continue on for a few more weeks, we, we want to talk about, but big deal. What difference does it make? Is, I mean, Jesus is alive, but, but for a lot of us, it doesn't seem like that makes a difference. Life is killing us. Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, I've... I came that you might have life and have it to the full, full life, abundant life. And the question that I want to ask this morning is, and how can we have that life, that life that Jesus, that, that two weeks ago we celebrated, the, the death that he conquered and the life that is ours in Jesus, how can that life be ours? So it doesn't have to be we're born and we just, this is suffering. And all we have to dread is, or look forward to, is death. And one of the things I want you to be thinking about as we, as we look at Colossians 3 is, how in the world could a guy, Jesus, who, who lived 2,000 years ago, how could his life make a difference in my life? I mean, he lives... But how can that make a difference in how we live? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because that's what we're going to talk about. 
And so look at Colossians 3, and we're going to just kind of work through Colossians 3. And, and these are familiar truths, but I, I'm praying that as we look at these truths and we, and we look at the reality, whether it's your life or, or friends or loved ones that you know that are struggling with life, I want us to wrestle with the reality of how can the life of Jesus change my life. And, and I don't mean just save me from my sin and from hell and bring me to heaven, but, but make life full. Like Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, I came that you might have life and have it to the full. And that your life doesn't have to be one that you're medicating to make it through life day after day. But it's life. It's life to the full. So let's look with me, and I, I want to. We're just going to look at these verses again, and we're going to try and just say how can these words make a difference in our life. Colossians three one. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Literally, it says seek the things above, but the word could be translated desire, and so that's why. I think NIV says, set your hearts, it's your affections. So if, if Christ has been raised and we've been raised with him, then, then let's set our affections, our desires, our attention on things above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set our thoughts, our thinking on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, then we or you also will appear with him in glory. We're going to start at verse 3. Notice it says, you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. How does this work? And I want us just to to review just really quickly how this works. The starting point is that God is life. And and the scriptures are full of that. That God is life. In him is life. And he created life. In Acts chapter 17 it says, In him we live and we move and have our being. God is life. In John 1 it says, In him is life. So God is life. He created life. I mean, way back in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we see life happened as God spoke it into being because God himself is the source, the origin of life. He's life. Um, The picture is, and and, and it's a simple illustration, but I like it. It's like like a lamp. Um, you plug it into, in, into the socket and it doesn't come on. What's wrong with the light? Well, it could be, see, the, the source of life is that electricity, right? And so when you plug the lamp in, um, it's, you're plugging it into that, sort, that life. And, and that's what, in him is life. We need to be connected with his life. That's the heart of it. And but there's a problem. God is life, but the Bible makes it really clear in Romans 3.23 that, that we've all sinned and we're separated from that life. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. Meaning, 
the the payment for sinning, you know, you work for me, I pay you wages. We sin and the payment, the wages, is death, separation from God. The Bible is clear about that. God is life, but our sin is what separates us from that life. It pulls the cord out from the wall so the light isn't on. There's no connection between us and God for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And, and so it's really important that as we wrestle with this issue of life and what keeps us from life and, and really living, that we understand that the problem isn't poverty. I went to a poverty seminar a couple of months ago. I mean, we, we work with a lot of individuals in poverty. But the problem isn't poverty. It's a symptom. The problem isn't ignorance, lack of education, illiteracy. The problem isn't capitalism or communism or racism. The problem is sin. That's what separates us from life. And it's really important you get that. Otherwise, you're going to pour your whole life into trying to find life by dealing with symptoms instead of dealing with the real problem, which is sin. The problem is sin. But in Romans 6.23, it goes on. It says, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is life, eternal life. In Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the, that's the solution. And again, I'm, these are familiar things, but I want, us to, I want us to put it all together. So if the problem is sin and the solution is Jesus, he died for our sins, right? He died to sin. He died. And in him, it says, in fact, keep your, keep your finger in... In Romans chapter 3, sorry, keep your finger in Colossians chapter 3, and I'm going to read in Romans chapter 6. Listen to this. When Jesus died on the cross, paid the wages of our sin, he cried out, it is finished, paid in full. When he did that, it says in Romans 6 that we died with him. Spiritually, It says, for we know that our old self was crucified with him on the cross so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. Literally, it, it, it would have no more power. That sin would have no more power over us because when Christ paid for sin on the cross and he said it's paid and he died, we died with him spiritually if we believe that. It says that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. How many people in the cemetery are sinning right now? That's the question. Dead people don't sin. And according to what it says here in Romans chapter 6, when Christ died and paid the penalty and paid sin and broke its power and we died with him we're dead to sin in Christ that's what it says here in Colossians it says for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God and how many of us live as if sin still has power over us because we don't realize that we have this that, that one of the the beauties of the resurrection life is a hidden life that we are now hidden with Christ in God, having died with him and, and raised with him. 
that we're in Christ. And what he accomplished and what happened to him happened to us. That's why he did it. He didn't need to do it for himself. He did it for us. Galatians 2.20 says, We have been crucified with Christ. Uh, And we no longer live, but Christ lives in us. And the life we now live, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave gave himself for us. Uh, As I was trying to think of an illustration for this, that my mind immediately... How many of you are familiar with The Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens? Got a few readers or movie watchers. Um, we come to the end of The Tale of Two Cities, and it's really a powerful uh, illustration of this, where um, Sidney Carton um, and Charles Darnay, they, they look identical. Um, and Sidney Carton um, loved the woman that ended up marrying Charles Darnay, and he, and he still loves her. And, and because of Charles Darnay being French, he's, he's sentenced to be guillotined, to be put to death the next day. Out of his love for, um, for I think her name was Lydia, um, Sidney Carton goes into the prison where Charles Darnay is waiting to die, be guillotined the next day, drugs him, have, has him dragged out, and, and in his place, he goes to the guillotine and dies. And uh, Charles Darnay goes free with his wife uh, to freedom. Isn't that powerful? Where Sidney Carton took the place of died for Charles Darnay so that he could live. That's, that's what Christ did for us. That's, that's what this is saying. We died and our life is hidden in Christ. He took the bullet for us so that we could live. What we deserved was death. The wages of sin is death. But, but he died for us so that our life is hidden with him. So we don't have to die because our life is hidden in him. Because he died for us. We don't need to die. Because he did it for us. Uh, for those of you that are into contemporary culture a little bit more than maybe the tale of two cities, I, I think a great illustration is the Hunger Games. Right, um, Katniss Everdeen is, um, you know, the reaping is about ready to happen. If you don't know what I'm talking about, well, go watch Tale of Two Cities. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's power. It's good. Hunger Games is good too. Anyway, so as Katniss Everdeen is, she her um, and her sister Primrose and. Uh, they're at the reaping, and there's a slim chance that, you know, Katniss tells her sister, you're not going to get picked because it's her first year. And yet, um, her, her sister's name is picked. And uh, Katniss volunteers to be a part of the reaping instead of her sister Primrose, which, which as far as they understand, is really going to a certain death. Um, and she volunteers instead. She volunteered to die in her sister's place so her sister could live. And because she did that, 
her sister's name would never be put in there again because her sister, it, it would be considered dead because Katniss volunteered in her place. Um, we've died. If we're in Christ, if you are here this morning and you believe that, that when Jesus on the cross said, it is finished, it's paid in full, that he paid for your sins in full on the cross, then you are hidden in him. Your sin is paid, and your sin no longer has power over you. That's life. How many of us live as if that sin still has power over us because we aren't living in the reality that our lives are hidden in Christ. He died. We don't need to die. Sin no longer has power over us. But it's even better than that. In Romans, excuse me, in Colossians chapter 3, we flip back to verse 1 and says, not only did we die with Christ, but it says we've been raised with Christ also. So Christ didn't just die for us and take the bullet for us, but he came back to life. So he broke the power of sin, but he also broke the power of death. And, and us being hidden in him, our sins are not only paid for, the power of sin is not only broken, but life is ours. Continue to read in Romans chapter 6, uh, verses 8 and 9. Note, notice it says, Now if we've died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. He's alive. And notice in in Colossians chapter 3 verse 1, not only is he alive, but he's in heaven exalted, seated at the right hand of the Father with all power and authority, as he says in in Matthew 28. All authority is mine in heaven and earth. And where are we? In him. Do you get that? Where is our life? Our life is hidden with him. Our crucified and risen and seated at the right hand of the Father. Brother, Jesus, who did that for us. So we identify with his death. His death was our death. We identify with his life. His life is our life. And so it says, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of the Father, victorious, above all principality and power, above every authority. That's Christ. And that's, as it says in in Ephesians chapter 2, that's where we are. It's not what we think. And that's why it says, set your minds on things above, not earthly things. Why do we think we're born and then we just suffer and we die? Because our minds are absorbed with earthly things and not with our position in Christ. Not with who we really are in Christ. You know, the thing that struck me as I was reading this Colossians 3 again is is the contrast between the pursuit of life that we're trying to obtain in an earthly way through entertainment, right? We're just trying to we're trying to find life and we're trying to we're trying to live and we and all these earthly ways that we try to obtain it through entertainment, through food, through sex, through substances, through busyness, through toys or possessions or or what I call leech relationships. 
a relationship that'll bring me life when it's just two people sucking the life out of each other. Um, I love the word amusement, which captures what so often we're trying to pursue in order to obtain life. And the word amusement literally means awe as a negative, and muse means to think. It means we're just not thinking, (laughs) trying to obtain life. Where Colossians 3 encourages us not to pursue those things to obtain life, but to remember that Christ has obtained life for us. You see the difference? That, that our pursuit is to obtain life through all these earthly things that are temporary and broken. They're like broken cisterns as it's described in Jeremiah chapter 2. That it just keeps leaking, right? Because they can't satisfy. They can't provide life. Only Christ who has obtained life because he died and he rose. And his life is our life because we're hidden in him. What are those things that are above? The things that are that are our life? That well, one of them is we're accepted. We're accepted. Do you believe that? If you are in Christ and, and you're hoping in his death and resin, you are completely and fully, totally accepted by him. You don't have to pursue acceptance. It's one of the things that causes us to struggle and in life isn't so much. We just want to be accepted. You're accepted in Christ. Completely, totally, fully. You're forgiven. You're loved. Oh, how we long to be loved, right? And even, even when we are loved, we still long to be loved. We are in Christ because of his death and resurrection. We're loved. We're victorious. We're in him who is seated above all authority. We're secure. This life is eternal. We have peace. We have joy. It's in him is our life. I was thinking, again, an illustration. It's almost like someone who has a heart attack. They have a bad heart and they have a heart attack and and they die. But, but they're on a waiting list for a new heart and, and, and they die. They're brought into the operating room and, and they're given a healthy heart and they live again. <laughs> they were dead, but they're, they're given new life because of this. that's what it says in Second Corinthians. It says, we're new creations. If... In Christ, the old is gone, the new has come, because our life isn't something that we have to pursue or obtain. It's ours because we're hidden in Christ. It's like somebody who has uh, maybe leukemia and their, and, and their bone marrow is bad and, and they go in and they, they're, they're completely given someone else's uh, bone marrow. Christ is our life. 
You notice that how it, that's how it ends? Verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. That's the, that's the conclusion. Christ is our life. We don't have to pursue life. Christ is our life. We look to Christ. It's kind of like in, in the Old Testament when they were in the wilderness, the children of Israel, they're being bitten by the snakes and, and they had to look and live. And for us, it's that same thing. It's looking to Christ and living because He's our life. It's realizing that, that life isn't in us and life isn't in those things that we can pursue, that we need to obtain because Christ is our life. It's looking to Christ and realizing that everything that is Christ is ours because of the death and resurrection. His life is our life. So why don't we experience this life? Well, I think the simple why we don't experience it is is because contrary to what it says in in Colossians chapter 3, our focus instead of being on Christ, that we're hidden with Him, and that He's our life, our, our, our focus is not on Christ, seated to the right hand of the throne of the Father, dead and risen and exalted, but on earthly things, right? On earthly things. For the end, that our life is Christ. It's, it's Christ's life that will give us life. It's not life that we have to pursue or obtain ourselves. It's because we don't just believe this simple truth. We keep pursuing life when life is already ours. Galatians 2.20 again, it says, We've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And that I, the life I live in the f- flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. By faith. So what do we do about this? Just in in concluding. For those of us who are here this morning, and you know, at one time or another, all of us suffer, right? At one time or another, for for all of us, life sucks. (laughs) And we struggle, and and we're depressed, and we're discouraged, and we say, and we just, for some of us, we want to end our lives. For others of us, we just, we just, the only way we get through is by medicating our lives, by, by dulling the pain. How can Christ's life be our life? Um, just want to end with one more picture, and, and I think it's a beautiful picture in, in, in John chapter 15. It's a picture of a vine and the branches. And uh, it's, it's where, it's kind of like the lamp plugged in, but God is this vine. He's the tree. He's life. And, and the sap, the life of God is flowing through that tree. And how is that life going to be ours? It's when the branch is connected to the tree. 
And it's, it's ab- the word is abiding, remaining. And so the sap from the tree, and it's like, like the tree in our front yard where we have some branches that are dead. <laughs> and why is it? Because the sap isn't flowing through them anymore. But then there's the branches that are they're vibrant, that have, you know, as spring's coming out, they got the, the leaves and the blossoms, because, you know, the, the sap, it's, the life is just flowing. And we can, it's the same thing. We can tell ourselves, Christ is our life, and life is in Christ. But sin has separated us from him, and, but he's taken care of that. But do you know that? Are you living in that? Are you living in the reality of his death was your death? His life was your life? His, his exaltation is yours. That's where you are. And, and his, you're looking to him and, and who he is and what he's accomplished. And that's you. And that's your life. And if you keep looking and if you keep remaining and abiding and drawing on his life instead of looking to obtain life yourself you'll live because he's alive and his life is our life are we abiding this morning are you are are you looking to say oh man life sucks are you looking to Jesus and what he's accomplished it's, it's all there he did it all he paid it all he has provided it all let's let's draw on his life Father, ah, we, we, we so get consumed with earthly life and its struggles and its problems and its heartaches and its pains. And, and that's real. And, and, and we, in the midst of that reality, but Father, help us to see and look to the life that is ours in Jesus. No, Father, help us to to let his life live through us. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that our life is hidden with his life and that he is our life. In his name, amen.